Welcome to Kubrick Group's Data Balance podcast. Unfortunately, Gina Sharma couldn't be here, so you have my dulcet tones instead. So apologies, probably going to lose quite a few listeners. Each month, we'll be interviewing a variety of talented and inspiring people who use data and technology in their career. We will be discussing diversity challenges and opportunities across the industry, and we'll be shining a light on ways to create a more diverse team and all the advantages that the diversity brings when creating teams to solve complex problems. Our guest today is Ashley Ainsley, co-founder of Colour in Tech. Throughout his career, Ashley has held many senior roles within the tech industry and has been continuously recognised for his industry influence. More recently, Ashley has successfully been named on the UK's top 100 BAME technology leaders list by the Financial Times. Today, we'll be discussing the impact Ashley has made throughout his career. And while racial equality is essential for the success of newer industries such as data and technology. Welcome, Ashley. Um, Could you start by telling us a bit about yourself? So... um there's quite a long protracted story behind it all, uh, but effectively I, I am co-founder of an organisation called Colour in Tech, uh, and that is a non-profit trying to help improve access, awareness and opportunities for ethnic minorities to get into the technology industry. Um, beyond that, I also do some consulting, so I work um, um, advising businesses in terms of how they can work with startups or innovate or partner or invest. Um, Prior to that, I, I did a little bit of strategy work in my career. I started my career at Google doing that there. I've kind of worked at big tech company, small tech company, uh, the, the kind of range as well. And um, yeah, for my sins, I'm a not graduate too. So um, yeah, kind of a, a, a little bit of um, uh, stuff that I've managed to pack in in a few years. <laughs> yeah, I feel grossly underqualified uh, interviewing <laughs> you. Um, so. I did read a little bit on colour in tech. Tell me um, a bit more about um, what led you to set up your organisation. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Lewisham in South East London. And uh, what I kind of found when I was doing, well, when I was, when I was growing up is that I was in a really diverse school. Um, and that was great because it kind of pushed me to always be a bit better than everybody else because it was kind of a competitive environment. And I wasn't really the best at anything apart from geography, um, which is coincidentally what I studied. But it always drove me to be like, wow, there are always people better than me and I love this. Um, and um, when I went to university, it was still very, very competitive, but um, there wasn't a lot of diversity there. And I was like, okay, well, okay, this is bad. So I did a lot of work at university around that topic in, in terms of trying to improve access to, to institutions like Oxford. But then I got into the big wide world and I thought, okay, well, this is back to reality. This is back to where I would normally like, be. And then I went to um, a variety of different companies, big companies, small companies, and I basically found the technology industry wasn't any more diverse than Oxford. And I was like, oh, um, Oxford gets a lot of the stick for this, but nobody else does. And I was like, this is bad. And I kind of thought, well, maybe it's a big company thing. Um, and then I went to a startup and it wasn't much different. I went to work at like KPMG, for example, doing some consultancy. It wasn't really different there. And I was like, wow, okay, I really like just care about this issue and wanted to do something about it. Um, 
but what I was doing about it was kind of just like helping people anecdotally and um, long story short I got fed up of it yeah. <laughs> um, people whatsapping me being like oh how do you get into the industry etc and I was kind of like I didn't want to become the blocker for why or how people manage to succeed or proceed in their careers so I was like I'm going to set up an entity which I can just direct people to so rather than my inbox I can just say go to colorintent.org and look there and everything you need will be there so whether you want to found a business whether you want to um, join a tech company whether you want to learn to code I'll just have everything in one place and then I don't have to like reply to WhatsApp with anything more than a standard message and that was basically the why we came up with Colour in Tech so yeah that's a little bit of the story but it's born out of a problem actually and okay well so I suppose that's quite a good segue then into my next question so why is it an issue why is diversity in tech an issue so there's kind of multiple angles that you can look at it. Um, I think from every industry, uh, organisations want to reflect and serve their customers in the best possible way. Um, and that means understanding their needs um, and um, their requirements, conversing with them in, in manners which make it flexible and comfortable and all these other things. And culture is part of our society. So having people who understand differences in cultures and, and, and can come from different backgrounds with a level of empathy is really important. And the technology industry is no different. Um, and then when you get into the really technical phase of it, if you think about where technology is going, things like machine learning, artificial intelligence, um, when you don't have diversity, you get a level of, I suppose, de decision-making which is decided by a small subset of society. And what they prioritise or deprioritise does impact um, members who aren't necessarily included in those discussions or thoughts. And as, as we develop further technology in the future, that becomes incredibly important um, because we'll start to see digital exclusion, products and software built for the majority, but not everybody potentially, or actually a large minority of the population as we're starting to see in some countries. Um, and that is potentially very, very, very damaging and, and has significant ramifications for uh, technology, society, the, the world really. Uh, that's a really, really clear answer. And um, it does make me think that, do you ever hear, uh, have you ever heard people make statements that may sound quite innocuous? but actually that kind of nearly let them off about looking at diversity in technology. And actually there's some throwaway statements that people are like, well, it doesn't matter as long as, as long as they have that in mind and stuff's delivered. Yeah, I think there's, there's often a difference between intent and action. And I think on the face of it, most people say, yeah, we'd love to have a diverse company. We'd love to kind of bring in people from different backgrounds to that. I'm, I'm yet to really find people who don't agree with that broad concept. But in terms of reality and what that means, um, you know, one of the things that we found when we started Colour in Tech was that um, I call it pipeline blame. A lot of people say, oh, people aren't applying. There isn't a lot of diversity there. What can we do? And it was kind of like, well, actually, one of the first things we did is we went and kind of challenged that. We did some research and looked at all the, the, the graduate outcomes from universities. And yes, one in five computer scientists are, are women, and that's definitely disproportionate compared to the population. Um, but when you actually looked at how many of them were getting into the industry, 
even less of them were actually getting in. And it's like, well, actually, why, why is that? Like, there so are... as in, sorry, just, so just to uh, mm. clarify, as in the percentage of those people that were applying, a lesser percent were actually coming from... Yeah, so it wasn't a proportionate kind of straight funnel. So if you imagine that, say, one in five were, were, were graduates, say um, one in seven would only get into a role. So actually what you'd end up having was, was, was a dropout of the pipeline, a leaky pipeline, as we yeah. called it. Um, people who were qualified who weren't getting into the industry. And um, that was one of the things from a data point of view that we, we went out and validated and said to us that it's not just a pipeline issue. And the second thing is actually like, well, why don't we flip this on our head and say, well, companies, why, why is it that diverse communities aren't interested or aren't talking or aren't applying to your roles. It's not that they're not there. <laughs> Look at the population of London. It's a very diverse place. If you're struggling to find people, then maybe what does that say about your talent brand marketing? Let's think about this in a slightly different way. And, and is there, in your mind, is there enough um, people from ethnic minority, minorities actually coming in through school, through university? It, do we need to address the pipeline earlier on? Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's two angles of it. One, there's that leaky pipeline, which I spoke about, which is there's a, a disproportionate number of ethnic minorities that are studying STEM subjects compared to the, na the, the, the national population. But not everybody who is doing that is staying in the industry. They're maybe going into finance or law or other areas, for example. Other industries are attracting them in greater numbers than the technology industry traditionally has. And then there's a pipeline wits issue. We definitely recognise that the volume and the increase in the number of jobs in the industry has been phenomenal. Um, and that hasn't kept up pace with the level of um, graduates coming out of university full stop um, and the type of education that we're providing in society, whether it be learning to become software engineers or data scientists or, or deep learning experts. So we definitely need to do some work um, you know, within the, the early years, schools and all, all the way up to encourage people to continue taking STEM subjects, so to speak, and really pursuing those um, right, right through their education. And even when they stop education, there's a massive movement now because of stuff like the apprenticeship levy to provide routes for people who don't necessarily want to go to university. And we need to capture those types of people as well um, and, and, and try not to have leakage into other industries there. Okay, there. Yeah. And if you had to give, um, probably a slightly unfair question, but if you had to give advice to parents and how would they encourage their children? Um, because I don't think you could just put the responsibility solely on the school. Of course. But what, what, would you, what advice would you give parents? Um, so this is actually interesting. So one of the things that we run every year is um, it's basically a conference for kids. But we don't just have the kids. We bring the teachers and the parents. And what we do is we have a big dialogue. And we actually just talk about technology in a way which doesn't happen a lot of the time. I think when I think about how my mum understands and consumes technology, it's she'll hear this on the news and then she'll be like, have you ever used TikTok? <laughs> or like, have this, like, that is kind of the, the, the interaction that we have with our parents on these sorts of topics. And it's only, can you help me troubleshoot this? And actually, when we had our event, we worked with um, EA Games. So they're the developers of the mighty popular FIFA series. Um, and we had them talking about esports and gaming and how they view 
building and producing this to parents. And actually, there wasn't necessarily a clear concrete outcome, like not every child was going to go and become a millionaire playing Fortnite. That, that wasn't the case. But the idea was actually just to have a positive dialogue about, well, there are controls on stuff like PlayStations, which can limit game time. There are ways that if you understand what's happening on, on, on the internet more, then you can have a positive conversation about it. And while you might not be able to control children's uses of these platforms, having a conversation around these things can at least give you a sense of comfort that your children are well equipped to make sensible decisions. I think that's often what parents want to want to feel, to be honest. So I definitely say for parents, it's a it's an issue of um, don't be running scared from this topic because it's not going to yeah. go away. Yeah. Let's let's find a way to engage and inform ourselves about it. Okay, that that's really interesting. And then I suppose going back again to the other um, side of the pipeline in terms of actual employers. Mm. Um, I, I do see kind of what we touched on earlier, a lot of positive intent from um, certainly uh, our clients in terms of how can they make their organisation more attractive Mm. to um, a cross demographic of society, actually attracting people to come in and and work with them. Mm. Have you got any advice for um, employers, what they need to do for their employer brand? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think there's probably an internal lens and there's an external lens. I think... um, Diversity is just like one of the facets of it. There's a, there's a need to focus on inclusivity and belonging. So from an internal lens, how are organizations supporting the employees that are there to stay, to progress, and to, to, to enhance their careers? And Could it be, be another leaky pipeline, do you think, then, sometimes with certain organizations? Yeah, for sure. We, we find that effectively um, a number of ethnic minorities kind of stop their career progression around kind of middle management level. There's a lack of senior leaders in a lot of organisations and that's not because they aren't coming in at graduate level, so to speak. It's because they're not proceeding and progressing as quickly. And I think retrospective analysis on every firm about why people are leaving, what are some of the particular nuances and things like reverse mentorship, executive sponsorship for particular particular employee resource groups or, or, or schemes for example, female empowerment schemes are, are, are suitable and, and really helpful for kind of just just making an organisation feel like a more inclusive place. Because there's no point driving diversity in if people just leave six to 12 months later. Yeah. Um, and then on the diversity front, I think it's also thinking, um, and especially from a recruitment lens, what are the ways that organisations are trying to actually engage with these communities? Are they working with external Groups like obviously there's like Colour in Tech, which is the one that I do, but there's a number of them out there which which um, um, work. For example, there's a, an organisation called Islamic Makers, and that's a it's a it's a community of um, engineers and techies who who identify as Muslim. And actually, how are organisations engaging with some of these groups? How can how can they be attracting talent which otherwise they wouldn't be necessarily? Um, and then actually. Again, when we think about like retrospective and kind of like the application process, there's lots of stuff on there. If people don't know where to go. There's a great website called Project Include, which has lots of this information on it. But um, I won't go into that much stuff, but it's kind of like how can organizations organically interact with communities that they aren't typically yeah. going? So can they go to a different university? Why, why do we place such an emphasis on that when we know that the skills can lie in lots of different places? Um, university are often a reflection of kind of the support you've had as a child, not necessarily yeah. your intelligence. Um, and if we're, we're, we're indexing to try and get the best people in, then we recognise that they don't all come from the same place. And, and slightly, uh, probably quite a blunt question. Mm. Um, 
on the whole, do you feel um, it's getting better? Are you optimistic? Or do you think as there's, I thought it was really interesting what you said is mm. there's loads more jobs, there's not enough grads. Yeah. So you could look at both positives and negatives. Do you yeah. think, it, is it getting better or, or do we need to do a lot more? Yeah, the, the good news is it's getting better. Um, <laughs> I'm not kind of a doom, a doomsayer. Um, and the reason why I kind of say that is that's not without challenge. So we, we often look to the USA because they kind of started a lot of this work and time and effort probably maybe five to ten years earlier than we started talking about it in the USA. And that's because they had stuff around kind of diversity reporting. They had a lot of civic kind of pressure from leaders like Jesse Jackson effectively to do things about yeah. this issue. Um, and when we look at where they, as, as a country and as an industry, have progressed, what we do see is lots more intention and dialogue around the issue. Uh, when we started it, there was no one even talking about this really in the UK. I mean, there were a few people and there were lots of the spring up of the diversity and inclusion conferences. And, and that's like phase one. That's just a conversation. But then what that translates into is actually action. And more and more organisations, including the ones that we work with, are now really intentional about, OK, this is an issue. What are we doing about it? And five years ago, that wasn't the case. For example, especially around females and, and gender, even stuff like the gender pay gap, it's very early and it's the data hasn't actually shown that it's made a massive difference in terms of in terms of actually narrowing the gap in terms of pay. But we are seeing some of the big organisations now get regular scrutiny on how they are going about doing that. And that wouldn't have happened had had that information not been available effectively. And I, I am a believer and an optimist that you know there will be a bit of a time lag as organisations get their head around how they can how they can solve some of these um, problems. But um, as we as we move towards the future, I thought that that point will get closer than potentially the, the the dialogue around this maybe five ten years ago. Okay, that that that's really interesting. And I, I suppose just one final question from me, probably slightly unfair, <laughs> but if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the industry. What would that be, and why? Ooh, well, there's lots of different, there's lots of different lenses. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to add an extra zero to my balance sheet. Um, <laughs> we are a non-profit, by the way, so it all goes into the community. Um, yeah, like I think, in a way, that like as as crazy as it sounds, I do wish that organisations were. And I have a slightly vested interest in saying this, but we're doing more external engagement opportunities. We know that there are loads of communities out there that need a little bit of time, a little bit of intention, a little bit of support and effort to really get into the industry and make that difference. But I generally believe that is and will and does reward organisations that do so. And um, I think we are getting there, which is the reason why I'm optimistic. But I'd love to see a jet change in organisations being like, yes, this year we're really going to go out and actually talk to new people and interact with new people. And we will fail with a few things, but we're going to be really intentional about trying. Um, and we're not there yet, but that's one thing that I'd love to go and see. Excellent. It's been fantastic having you on. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thank you. It's been really interesting. Thank you, Ashley. Brilliant. Cheers. Thanks, team. Hopefully many of you carried on listening all the way through, although it wasn't the lovely Gina Sharma. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. And join us next month for more conversations on diversity in data.